0: In high school and shit, too, though, we would still just uh, take them so we'd have something to use to roll a crutch with on our joints. That was pretty much the use of a, of a, business, a, card, card. Of a business card. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes yeah. sense.
1: Yeah. He used to build boards and, re- and repair them. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. I, I ran a ding repair shop uh, up in San Francisco while oh, I was okay. living up there. Okay. Um, so a lot of tech guys learning how to surf. Yeah. <laughs> in the 2010s there.
2: I like the Beach Boys music, but I hate the Beach Boys because the minute that they started singing uh, surf songs,
1: everybody started. Coming. Everybody started
2: surfing, and it went from 12 guys on a crowded day to 50, and then 100, and man, I just fucked it up. Yeah. Hey,
1: thanks Beach Boys for f- that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: The amount of things that have really
0: like contributed to to overpopulize surfing though. Are, are all over the place. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it, like there was the Beach Boys, there were awesome movies like The North Shore back in the day. Yeah. Right? I mean, that still is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I think Delta Airlines still has it on there. Shout out to it, never take it off. Yeah. It's gotta live there forever. Oh, Keone, wasn't that the girl's name?
1: Yeah. Oh, man. Boy, you guys are hard up, aren't you? Jesus. Yeah. Thank goodness I
0: adjusted those camera angles. That's it, man. <laughs>
1: Hey guys, hey, um, you can see this beautiful ride behind me. It's this badass BMW M4, but my friend Doug Rugg from Elite Dealer Sales, these guys, they only carry magic. And when I'm talking about magic, guys, these are cars that have been stored inside with a lot of love and uh, no miles. You know what I'm saying? Doug, welcome aboard. Hello, Hammer. What you doing today? Tell us a little bit about your BMW.
2: It's a six-cylinder, three-liter, dual turbocharged. It's the competition model. It has an eight-speed automatic transmission, and it'll rip your face off.
1: How much does this sucker go for?
2: We have it in our shop. It's only got 11,000 miles, but we have it in our shop for $85,000 or best offer. I am easy to get along with, but don't beat me up too badly.
1: 11,000 miles, the the wrapper's not even off of it.
2: This car is virtually like a brand spanking new car. I I encourage anyone to come in and take a look at it, kick the tires, pee on the tires, do whatever you want, but it's at my shop at 125 Industrial Way, Costa Mesa, California, 92627. Maisie, he did not mean you pee on the
1: tires. Get away from that now. (laughs) You better hurry up because I'm starting to grow fond of it, guys.
0: (laughs) It's really too bad that this is the competition model because there's not much else out there for it to compete with. I mean, it's it's pretty top of the line right over there.
2: Well, in Newport Beach, there are some cars out there, let's say, starts with an F, and there's a few others like starts (laughs) with an L. Um, Those cars are cars that would challenge this car. Now, I'm not saying that they would win, because this car is bad ass.
1: Hey, I uh, was going down PCH the other day and this Bugatti pulls up next to me, and uh, I'm in the Charger and he's like revving it the light and uh, I thought the guy was gonna cream me in good old charger power, guys. Made in the USA. I waved goodbye to that Bugatti. <laughs> good for you. So you never know, right?
0: And for the rest of us out there, Bugatti is one of my favorite types of pasta. You're just making me hungry. <laughs> yeah. The more I hear about it, I'm looking for a little carbonara now.
1: It's the only kind of Bugatti you can afford. <laughs> it's, the yeah. Doug's been in Newport Beach since uh, he was a, a kinder, a little one. And uh, he learned how to surf at what age? When you didn't even have a board, did you?
2: I didn't in the beginning. I started with a skimboard, skimboarding by the Newport Pier. And one day I stopped literally and spent about four hours watching these guys surf. Ever since that day, it's in my blood. It, it, it has changed my life to the better it's probably the best surfing is the best thing that's happened to me and it truly has saved my life hell yeah
0: but that doesn't mean it'll save your life so take a long hard think before you take up surfing
1: we kind of don't want any more surfers down here okay (laughs) (laughs) we're we're a little greedy about that but
0: really it is a fantastic thing and it, it can take you all over the world and the fact that it has its modern roots here on the southern california coast i think is incredibly interesting Do you remember the sorts of boards that those fellows were on? Were they like the wooden hollow ones or had some of those materials that are still with us today started to show up in the water by that time?
2: Most of the boards that in my era were either balsa coming out of the redwood and that fiberglass was new to the industry. Uh, Joe Quig was one of the first uh, board builders in Newport Beach that actually built the board that we're still riding longboard wise today and he started in uh, Malibu he started out as a photographer for his college degree um, he built the first foam board and all the male surfers were giving him and because he made it for I think some producer or actors daughter and everybody was giving him shit about uh, the board for this girl, that it was a girl's board. Well, (laughs) lo and behold, they started surfing this board and realized it was a whole new technology and it started the the building of foam boards. Back then, they were all long boards. Typically, for my size, at about 135 pounds then, uh, was about a 9'6". Well, and a 9'6 long board today that we're used to with heavy
0: S-cloth, that's about, you know, six ounces, I want to say, of S-cloth throughout the whole board, give or take. I mean, depending on how heavy you're glassing it and and everything, but- Deck patch. Deck patches, yeah, yeah. Um, That's still a heavy board to us, but to have that compared to a Redwood, or I mean, even just thinking a Balsa board would be like, oh my goodness. The way you'll be able to get that thing paddling and gliding so much quicker, I I bet that just must've
2: blown your mind. Well, it was amazing because I look back today and and I remember the inception of the, I call them, the potato chip. uh, (laughs) Small boards, short boards, and basically they were built from guys in Hawaii, uh, Joey Cabell and Tom Gallia. Um, They were boards that went on the rocks, long boards that went on the rocks, and they stripped the the glass off, and that's all they had was a small piece of foam con- considering it used to start out at let's say nine, six or 10 feet. Now they're down to six foot and it's gotten shorter and shorter as time went on. But they're like a potato chip, they just flip them around. They're doing aerobatics today that nothing was ever conceived you could do back in my day. I mean, cutbacks,
0: right? Like by the, by the time um, the twin fins started to make a bigger appearance, um, thanks to a lot of those guys through the 70s, why am I blanking on Mark um, Foo? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Aipa, um, Sean Thompson. I mean, some, especially with like the Aussies that came over. On- yeah.
2: Um, a lot of the Hawaiians landed in Newport Beach. We were very fortunate to have them here. Now they've spread all over the world. Mm-hmm. But David Nueva, uh, Lima Kalama, he won the 1962 uh, Huntington Contest and we're trying to get him on the Walk of Fame in Huntington Beach. Oh, cool.
0: Mark Richards, that was one of the the twin fin pioneers. Oh my gosh, the old gull wing stance he had, that crazy thing. Yeah, very cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, so did you get fed up going fast on waves and then decide you need to start going fast in cars? What was that transition for you, Doug?
2: (laughs) I needed to make a living. (laughs) Um, Surfing, yes, to some has uh, brought in millions of dollars, but when I started surfing, You barely found people to sponsor you for surfboards. I was fortunate, Um, Mickey Munoz got me a, a brand new Oli board and traded it for the board that I was riding. He paddled out one day in Newport and all the hubbub was, hey, Mickey's paddling out. He paddled by me and said, hey, Dougie, what's going on? And I said, nothing, just surfing like you. And he said, do you want a new board? And I said, What do I have to do? Who do I have to blow to get a fucking board? (laughs) Exactly. And he said, just bring that board up after you've ordered your board and give that board to me and I'll kind of sponsor you in that way. And that's one of my my achievements. I felt very, very fortunate to have Mickey sponsor me on a board like that. And then I did ride for Gordy surfboards in Huntington Beach. Gordy was an asshole though.
0: (laughs) Did you hear that Gordy? Any shaper that's got pressure to get his boards out
2: generally becomes that way. Right. Well, Mike Marshall was a great guy. He he when he was transferring from uh, Joe Quigg, Joe Quig was moving out of the area. Uh, he actually went to work, I think, for harbor shaping. But he he shaped three surfboards in uh, numbered succession. And the Terry Terry Smith my board and Herbie Torn's board were all numbered together. Um, I felt very fortunate about that, too. And that was the last three boards he shaped.
1: Yeah, but it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, you talk about your second board, but you made a big mistake because you got rid of your first board, right? I did. Tell us about that mistake.
2: Well, I didn't have a lot of money, and I I was working with uh, uh, Carter Pyle and Mickey Munoz, at uh, Pacific Catamaran Boats. And Mickey one day brought out a board, because I didn't have a lot of money back then. I have wonderful parents. They supported me with jeans and food. But I, if I wanted a car or a skateboard or a surfboard, I had to earn it. Uh, Mickey brought out a board one day that was, I think, developed when Mickey and Dale Velzy were completely slaughtered fucking drunk. Uh, the bottom of the board had string, uh, beer cap bottle caps in the foam cigarette butts it had three fins one forward one aft one center it was kind of a a test board Um, and what he did for me i bought it i think for 40 bucks or 30 bucks but he pigmented it blue so you wouldn't see all that stuff i wish i had that board today it would be priceless without the pigment
1: you guys you got to think about this doug at that age he was skateboarding uh, by this place this boat shop and back then the skateboard that he was on were basically a a wood plank and they they were getting creative but with metal wheels okay that's how long ago this was right on that california
0: pavement too i bet those things were cooking
2: well the nice thing about it is um production place was just built and the sidewalks were pristine there wasn't even a pebble and the asphalt that they put down there wasn't a bump or a grind there were only two buildings one was the hatchet building which was wound up being road and track and the other was pacific catamaran boats Um, so we had pretty pristine sidewalks to skateboard on and we were instead of having the orange crate with a stick as handles and a two by four (laughs) and uh, steel wheels we now had steel wheels and we were making a surfboard shape skateboard let's say, and a longboard. Now, instead of, let's say, a two by four that was, oh, maybe two feet long, we'd make these things three and four feet long. We realized that the wheels would rub. So we had cutouts for those. And Mickey Munoz and Carter came out one day and said, what the heck are you doing? And we told them all about our little story with our skateboards. And Carter turned to me and said, do you want to work here? And I said, yeah, what do I do? And he said, well, you can come sweep up Um, after and do whatever necessary around the shop. I agreed. I went to work, but he was very strict to me. He was very cool. I looked back on Carter as a person that really helped me through life. He would make me come in and sit at his desk and he would pay me for this time and do my homework. Once I was done with my homework, I would go out and physically work for him. So I I give Carter a lot of credit.
1: How how did we even get through childhood, man? Because, I mean, I got a flat spot on the back of my head, you know, from hitting that concrete so many (laughs) damn times from the board. But, you know, now we didn't have helmets. We didn't have any of that stuff.
2: We had no, what I would call, uh, protective gear. Back then, we didn't. Back in my day, if you wore a wetsuit, you got your ass kicked. (laughs) And the only cat wetsuit they had was uh, a, a, a diver's wetsuit with a beaver tail. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. so he almost looked like an opera conductor
0: out there <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, man. I will say I wetsuits are one of those things for surfing that have come such a long way and I I really do enjoy wetsuits now I know I'm probably in the minority but a good wetsuit can really open up I mean the whole world and a ton of different waves for you
1: you know my my first wetsuit um not my scuba suit but Surfing uh, was a body glove back in the day and they really changed the industry
2: Yeah, there was a group and I can't remember the name um, Don Craig brought it over from Australia and he opened up in San Clemente by trestles Um, It was a wetsuit company. I don't know if it was O'Neill or body glove or one of those, but it was an Australian group Uh, He did real well with it. Don Craig is a a front-runner in surfing today
0: yeah. Well, Neil was the first name in the water, they say. First ones to, what, commercially manufacture wetsuits out of Santa Cruz. Because that's where they really needed the wetsuit. Well, yeah, yeah right? it's cold as
2: hell. Yeah. Like you said before, Adam, it, it opens up because you can now go surf places that you wouldn't consider because it was too cold.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Adam, where
2: have
0: you surfed around the world? Um, both coasts in South America, the Atlantic side in Uruguay and Argentina, as well as Chile, Peru, um, on the on the Pacific side, then throughout Central America and the Caribbean, um, and New Jersey, and then up and down the West Coast. <laughs> New
1: Jersey, I love that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I have like, not
1: surfed in New Jersey,
0: and, and that was the coldest place I've ever surfed. That, I had seven mil like lobster gloves on, oh. um, and it was it was during Hurricane Sandy a few years back. Waves were pumping. There was snow on the beach. Um, and I think we had, we had popped a tire or something because of the debris that had washed in, uh, uh, from all the flooding from the hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. And we found like one room in a hotel that was available and it happened to be the same hotel where the first shark attack victims in 1914, um, were brought and those shark attack victims were the ones that inspired the Jaws novel and movies. Wow. Oh, that's cool. So my parents didn't love hearing
2: that So your tidbit. dumb ass was <laughs> out there, <laughs> surfing. Yeah.
1: Mama Char was not happy, she, was she? Yeah. did not love that. No. I
2: think they were, you're going to do what? <laughs>
1: yeah. No, you did what? Yeah, that's what it was. How about you, Doug? Where have you all served?
2: Um, I've served Hawaii, um, all over Southern California. I served uh, Montauk, New York. Um, a lot in Europe at Biarritz. Um, I really enjoyed Biarritz. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. When I surfed Biarritz, it was probably 1969 or 70. And it was like Newport beach in the thirties. Oh, there was no boards. I had to search for a board and, and rent somebody's board.
1: You know, it's crazy guys. Um, back when, uh, Doug and I were little guys, uh, like you said, there might be 12 people out at Blackies beach. And nowadays, it's it's a fest.
2: Oh yeah! On a good day, you'll find thirty to fifty people in the water.
0: And to some degree too, with a with a place like Blackies in Newport Beach that has this legacy of water sports and summertime, there's almost just as much of a bother from folks who are just standing in the surf, enjoying their their summer day, not even surfing, right? Because without kind of the awareness of what folks are doing, pursuing like their pastime and hobby out there, they can still kind of get in the way and put themselves in a spot of
2: bother.
1: Oh, totally. Oh
2: yeah, tourists have been hurt badly by uh, boards, not just in Newport, all over the world.
1: Well, the problem is they know nothing about surfing and they get caught out there and yeah, those things are dangerous. Uh,
2: Even
0: just last summer, I was I was surfing a real small day, had my nine oh out there, was just paddling around goofing off with some friends and a couple of gals who didn't know much about rip currents were getting pulled out along that twenty eighth street jetty right there. And so I caught a wave in and granted, I was a little taller than they were, sure, but I kind of walked over to them and I said, Ladies, like, are you doing okay? And one just kind of gets her head like and shoulders out of the water. She says, No, no. <laughs> and so I just kind of pushed my board over to them. I'm like, All right, grab on and we're going to go in now. Like, yeah. you're going to come in. <laughs> but man hats off to the Newport Beach and and Orange County lifeguards in general They're I mean the best. oh the
2: best oh to deal with such boneheads got a lot of respect for the lifeguards in Newport well all over the world but, oh yeah. yeah I'm very close to a lot of them that grew up as just young surfers and became uh, lifeguards in Newport Beach I have a lot of respect for those gentlemen and women
1: hmm we were very fortunate uh, my wife and I um, got to sponsor our uh, our boy that got that passed away, our our lifeguard, um, Ben Carlson. Carlson. Um, uh, when he put that, uh, John Wortman. Good job, John. Uh, good put job, together, John. Yeah, he put together all that money, and and we donated. You'd, we're all on the plaque. Yep. Yeah. So yep. <laughs> on the three or four plaques that are out there, but it's interesting that um, uh, you'll say the saying is Ben would go, and unfortunately. Um, it was another tourist that had no idea and no business being out in the water right you know and that's what got one of our lifeguards killed yep and i gotta tell you guys it's super important before you go in the ocean you have to learn about the ocean you know people go why is that guy swimming out he's trying to get in he's swimming out because a lot of times you've got to get out of the eddy you got to get out of whatever situation you're in but you got to know what the situation is and if you haven't been around the ocean much you're not going to know. So don't go too far in if you haven't been in the ocean, guys.
0: And if you've had a few too many cactus coolers at Cassidy's or a couple barley pops down at Blackie's, just dip your toes in. Don't don't create a whole liability for the folks who are out there keeping us all safe all the time.
1: Yeah, guys, you gotta, they got to go home to their families too, man. We love you guys.